What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the HVAC Know It All podcast. I hope you guys are out there kicking ass and taking names. Hope you guys are learning daily. And I hope you guys are progressing along. Just remember, guys, this trade, the HVAC and refrigeration trade, it's not for the weak and the weary. It's for the strong-minded and the strong-bodied. If you're not prepared to use your mind and your body daily, then it's not the trade for you. So just keep that in mind. All right, I got a story for you guys today before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast. So back years ago, when I was probably a third or fourth year apprentice, we were having a problem with a condensing unit on the roof of a warehouse slash logistics company. This place was filthy. It was right by the airport, right beside a major highway. There was uh, transport trucks rolling in and out constantly. So this place, you could just imagine the dust and the filth. Um, that was in this place. So we had a, about a 40 year old condensing unit on the roof and we had a bunch of problems and this, pl- this condensing unit served the office space. So it was, it was air conditioning for the office space. And every once in a while, the compressor would trip on the motor protector. And this was in the, the dead of the summer. It was hot, hot as F. Okay. And the customer had enough. We had to figure out what the hell was going on with this thing. So what we did, we went onto the roof and we started to ohm out the thermistors in the compressor. Now the thermistors were acting as sensors. The way thermistors work is they're temperature sensitive resistors that change resistance as the temperature, as the ambient temperature around it changes. Okay, and the way you check them is you got to get a chart from the manufacturer. So for example, at 75 degrees Fahrenheit, the resistance of the thermistor should be X. If it's not X at that temperature, then that thermistor has a problem. So we pulled um, the cover plate off. We checked uh, the thermistors at the temperature that it was outside, and they weren't reading correctly. The thermistors were defective. So what do you do in that case? Well, you got to either replace the compressor or you have to bypass the motor protector because the thermistors are embedded inside the compressor. So what the owner of my company had me do was go out and purchase um, a thermostat, like an A19 thermostat with a capillary and a bulb on it. I strapped the bulb to the discharge line and I set it to 225 degrees Fahrenheit. So anything above 225 degrees, that compressor would trip out. That was our way of protecting the compressor. Now that's a bit of a magic number, 225 degrees. And I'm going to get into that during the podcast. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about compressor overheating. And we're going to talk about the three ways that compressors are cooled. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by Field Pulse, my admiration for Nylog Blue, my Testo 557s, my Yellow Jacket Super Evac vacuum manifold, and my promo code, know-it-all k-n-o-w-i-t-a-l-l that gets you eight percent off your purchase at true tech tools at checkout living the dream so compressor overheating is one of the major causes of compressor failure now there's a bunch of ways a compressor can overheat but there's a surefire way to know if it's overheating And that is to go directly to your discharge line 
and take the temperature. Okay, you want to take the temperature as close to the compressor as possible, a few inches away, maybe six to 10 inches away from the compressor. Take the temperature there, all right? If your temperature is anywhere near 225 degrees or approaching that, then you've got a situation where you have too much heat in that system and that compressor is going to overheat. If the compressor overheats, that means the oil will overheat. So all the literature that I've read and everything that I've learned through the years that I've been in this trade is that the discharge line temperature, let's say it's 225 degrees. Well, the actual temperature of that discharge gas leaving the compressor internally could be 75 degrees warmer. Okay, so that puts you at that 300 degree mark, which is no good. Mineral oil will start to break down at 350 degrees. Before that, it actually starts losing its lubrication film. Now, if you start losing your lubrication film, that's not good for moving parts because there's not a lot of space in between cylinder walls and pistons, for example. You start losing your lubrication film, you're going to start having friction and you could seize up a compressor. So 225 degrees, a rule of thumb, you don't want to get any hotter than that. I mentioned in the intro that the owner of my company had me set the discharge stat up to 225 degrees, and that's because of that rule of thumb. Now, POE oil, from everything I read, breaks down around 400. So systems using POE oil, maybe that can run a little bit higher. But you'd have to check with the manufacturer before you determine that. But for, for rule of thumb, through all the years I've been in this trade, it's been about 225 degrees maximum discharge line temperature. If you're approaching that, you're going to want to check some stuff out. Because you could be overheating, the compressor overheating the oil, the oil could be breaking down and losing its lubrication film. Now, what are the ways that a system can overheat? Well, low charge. You can overheat a system by having a low charge, not charging it correctly or losing a charge over time from a leak in the system. A restriction in the system can cause excessive superheat. Excessive superheat comes back to the compressor. The compressor overheats from that. Undersized condenser, dead condenser fan motors, dirty condensers, those can all contribute to the overheating of a system, okay? Very high loads can contribute to overheating of a system. So if you take a discharge temperature and it's 225 degrees or more or approaching it, you guys are going to have to do some investigating to find out why because you don't want it to get any higher than that or you're going to have some problems. Now, there are some ways to alleviate this type of overheating. For example, low-temp refrigeration. We bring the gas back to the compressor at a very low pressure. Because the pressure is low, we have a lack of volume of refrigerant coming back to cool that compressor down. So a lot of refrigeration compressors, they have... Um, liquid injection 
we take liquid from the liquid line and we'll have some sort of valve or we'll be monitoring the temperature of the compressor internally or the discharge line. And as it gets to that point where it feels like it's overheating, it will inject liquid to cool that down, to cool the compressor down so we don't have that overheating situation. Okay, so those are some of the reasons why a compressor will overheat or a system will overheat. And if you're approaching that 225 degree mark on the discharge line, guys, check out what's going on with that system. If it's reaching that point, it's got some PoE oil inside. Like I said, PoE oil breaks down at a higher temperature. It's always a good idea to call the manufacturer and find out what their specs are, what their ranges are how that unit can operate under those conditions. Guys, if you're tired managing all the paperwork in your business, I got a simple solution for you. Get rid of it. Give your team an app that lets you run your business in the office and on the go. Field Pulse helps you track customers, schedule and dispatch your team, track location and timesheets, and manage estimates and invoices. Guys, sign up for a 14-day free trial at fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all or head to my website hvacknowitall.com scroll down the home page and click on the sponsored logo so there are three main ways we can cool a compressor and before I continue I have to give a shout out to my boys over at Emerson Climate Technologies in Brantford Ontario because we touched on this stuff when I did a compressor failure course a few months back. Trevor Matthews and Luciano DiBiase were the instructors or the trainers in the course, and uh, this is one of the things we touched on. Ways to cool a compressor. So the first way is to cool it with air, air-cooled compressors. And something I never noticed before until I did this course was one example of an air-cooled compressor is a Copeland Coplematic compressor. Google it, guys. The suction line returns into the head of the compressor. I never noticed that before. Like a lot of compressors, semi-hermetic compressors, the suction line returns at the end of the compressor. The cool gas moves through the body of the compressor and cools the compressor and the motor windings. Well, on a Coplematic compressor, it returns to the head. So how does that gas move through and cool the compressor? It doesn't. So it returns to the head and leaves the head. And if you Google a picture of the coplamatic compressor, you'll see what I'm talking about. So we have to cool that compressor with air. And if you guys have worked on refrigeration condensing units, you'll notice that the air actually blows across the compressor. The condensing unit sits, there's a couple of fans, maybe one, maybe two, and the air draws in and blows across that compressor. Now, on, on the coplamatic, we obviously need air to cool it because we don't have the gas to, moving through that compressor to cool it. Now, another way that I've seen in the past, and I haven't seen it since, we used to take care of a, uh, a refrigerated warehouse with a lot of low-temp refrigeration, and there was fans on top of the compressors and underneath that fan was a small coiled up copper tube 
And the oil from the system came up through that copper tube and went back in to the compressor. And the fan was blowing down on the copper tubing. It was, it was cooling down the oil. So this was another form of cooling a compressor with air. Although we were cooling the oil, so the oil wouldn't break down. And if the oil's cooler, that cooler oil moving through the system is obviously going to keep the compressor cooler. So that's one way to cool compressors is with air. Okay, the second way to cool a compressor is with water. Have you ever seen a compressor with a water jacket around it? Well, again, Google Copeland Coplomatic compressors with water jacket. If you notice, those compressors, they actually have rounded indentations on the body of the compressor. Those rounded indentations are so you can pipe a water jacket around that compressor. Now, how that's done in different cases might be different. Back in the day, you might have piped city water through that and dumped it down the drain, but in a lot of places, that's not allowed anymore. If that stuff still exists, you probably see it going through a chilled water loop that's returning back to some type of chiller. That's another way to cool a compressor, is by fitting it with a water jacket. So guys, Google that, Copeland Coplomatic Compressors, and you'll see that the suction line returns into the head, and you'll also see, if you Google Coplomatic with water jacket, you'll see that water jacket piped around that compressor. And that moving water across that compressor keeps that compressor cool. So the third and most common way to cool a compressor is with refrigerant. Now, air conditioning is a perfect example of this because in air conditioning, we have that high suction pressure, that high volume of gas returning back to the compressor to cool it down. But like as we talked about, you start dropping that volume of gas off, you start losing that cooling effect that the refrigerant can give to the compressor. Like in low temp refrigeration, we have low volume. We have to add in liquid injection or oil coolers to try to keep that compressor from overheating. Just like in air conditioning, if you have a liquid line restriction, you're going to lose volume of refrigerant moving back to that compressor to cool it. You're also going to have superheat through the roof. So that superheat, that high superheat coupled with the low volume of gas is a disaster for your compressor. Okay, so this podcast was short, guys. But listen, we don't need to have long, drawn-out podcasts to have good information. We don't have to do that. We touched on some good stuff. 225 degree. Rule of thumb. That is your max discharge temp. Like I said, rule of thumb, reach out to the manufacturer if you're getting close to that or higher than that to see what their specs are. Mineral oil will break down at 350 degrees Fahrenheit. POE oil breaks down at 400 degrees Fahrenheit. We have air-cooled compressors, water-cooled compressors, refrigerant-cooled compressors. And as the refrigerant volume drops off, the cooling effect from that refrigerant also drops off because of the low volume returning back. 
This is all good stuff. One point I want to touch on, which is actually pretty important and something we, we did today, before I get going here and ride off on my, my pony. If you guys pick up recovery cylinders from a supplier and you're going to recover gas from a system into it and then reuse it and put it back into the system, make sure you check that that recovery tank is in a deep vacuum. If it's not, you're going to have to pull one. I picked up 200-pound cylinders um, today, this morning actually, and I put my micron gauge on it, my Testo 552, and it was above 20,000 microns in the tank. We were going to recover good refrigerant, put it in that tank, and put it back in the system. Now, if you're going to pull a good vacuum on a system, what's the point of doing that if you're going to put gas back into the system that may, may be contaminated because your micron level hasn't reached low enough in order to safely say we got no moisture or no contaminants in that gas. So I stuck my micron gauge on, hooked up the vacuum, and ran the thing for an hour while we worked and had coffee and whatever. But we brought that tank down to 500 microns before we added gas to it. It's really important, guys. If you're going to pull a good vacuum on a system, you better pull a good vacuum on your recovery tank. So that's the podcast for today, guys. I hope you learned some stuff. And I hope you'll go out. You'll take notice of the way compressors are cooled. I hope you'll take notice of your discharge line temp to make sure we don't have any overheating. And I hope you pull a vacuum on your brand new refrigerant recovery cylinders to ensure you're not contaminating your gas that you're recovering. Have an awesome day, guys. Happy HVACing.